0: Grad Chat, your opportunity to find out about graduate research here at Queen's. My name is CJ the DJ and I'm your host for this week's Grad Chat. Of course, a show like this could not happen without the support of the School of Graduate Studies and Postdoctoral Affairs and, of course, CFRC. So thank you very much to both of them. Now, if your mates miss the show at any time, you can download the podcast the next day on either iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify or Stitcher. So no excuse not to hear what our awesome students and postdoctoral fellows are doing. Now. Today, I've got a very special guest today, um, all the way from the US survey. We've got Daniel Reddy here, who is doing a PhD in chemistry under the supervision of Dr. Richard Olszczuk. Welcome to Grad Chat, Dan.
1: Well, I'm, I'm happy to be here, CJ. And you can just, just give me the Dan, yeah.
0: Just the Dan. Just the Dan. So, we were having a bit of a chuckle before because both of us... Got, uh, well, apparently we've got accents, different accents to the Canadians. Is so that right? Yes. Yeah, so. First time
1: hearing about all this.
0: <laughs> so Dan, where are you from first?
1: Uh, originally from, and uh, this is kind of an added layer of, of humor to it. Uh, Halifax, but the one in Virginia. So you oh, know, so okay, uh, right. I go, so I hand my ID to people at you know somewhere it's needed, and, and they say, oh, you're from Halifax. Well, they say matching up with Newfoundland. Oh, it's it's the one in Virginia. So.
0: And what what brought you to Queens and Canada?
1: I'm still asking myself that question. Oh. No, no, I, I, got, I got it figured out. I love it. You know, before I moved here, I'd been living in Las Vegas, actually. i have been working full-time. I'd done my master's. And so, you know, the selection process, I think grad students listening can relate it. You know, your, your advisor is a key selection in that. Correct. I was actually just thinking about it before I came on, if, if he was going to ask me something like that. And, you know, when I was interviewing prospective advisors, I asked maybe what what some of them kind of viewed as a as a silly question. I was like, "Would you say your research group and students are generally happy?" And some right. of them kind of just you know smirked it off. But but this fellow here, you know, Dr. Olashuk, um, for multiple reasons beyond his his chemistry is good, you know, that, that, that's that's yes. a priority. But he, he took that question r- real serious, and um, and I appreciated that. So I'm I'm definitely here on account of him.
0: That's good. Well, you're absolutely right. You know, the supervisor-student relationship is super important to help you get through full degree and that's very wise advice to everyone because people sometimes just go for an institution as opposed to thinking about what kind of work do I want to do and do I fit into that lab etc etc so assuming then you did chemistry for your master's as well
1: I did. A slightly different chemistry. Coming out of undergrad, I was I had a good bit of experience. So there's kind of five big disciplines to it, right? You got, they call it kind of analytical, biochemistry, inorganic, organic, and physical theoreticals, kind of the big buck. I had a good bit of experience in the analytical biochem kind of stuff. So I figured I'd try something new with my master's. So I did organic. Enjoyed it, but after after I kind of was ready to put some bows on my thesis, and I had taken his job in Las Vegas. I wanted to realign myself back with analytical. You know, you kind of right. you figure out what you like with enough experience, and so I had kind of come to know. I'm like, yes, this is a area I want to be in long term. That's good. And so that's the group I'm in here now. An and group. You,
0: you said long term, so long term. I'm assuming when you finished your PhD, you want to continue in research.
1: Uh, that's the plan right now. You know, kind of a kind of somewhere in between a short term, long term goal, but do a right. postdoc. Right. So that's kind of what's on on my radar for next.
0: And what does your family think you're moving to Canada just to yeah, come to study?
1: That's that's a right funny question. You know, um, <laughs> I don't think any of them have even been out the country. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> they kind of just shake their head. All my friends and stuff. You know, we we all grew up together. Most of them, uh, kind of just where I'm from. It's just you, you stay around home and little little white picket fence and house kind of thing. Get all set up and and don't leave too much. Right. So that they all kind of think it's funny that you know here I am kind of having. Been in Las Vegas and now Canada, and, and who knows where else?
0: Who else knows? Well, it's, I mean, <laughs> the good thing is you know, everyone has to take their own path, That's right. so it's good that you know this is yours, and I'm, I'm assuming they all support you behind it, even though you are they do. a long way oh, away. away. That's good. So let's get on to your research now um, I loved it when you gave me your background form and as everyone knows I always ask for a bit of background before we do these uh, interviews and you put down both your formal and informal research topic which I think is fantastic because a lot of people sometimes I read these topics and we go what the heck is that and so it's also nice to have the informal one as well. But let me look at your formal one first. All right. Keeping in mind we're in chemistry, everyone. So it's the preparation and testing of a volumetrically accurate open surface energy trap. Oh, set in brackets, uh, energy trap wand for liquid transfer applications.
1: Wow. Yes. When you say it like that, it's, I'm like, I'm
0: surprised. I wrote
1: something <laughs> like that. That sounds pretty good. <laughs>
0: Well, that's one page taken up in your thesis.
1: (laughs) Sure enough. enough.
0: But luckily, Dan realised that the audience is a little bit different to when you're talking to people in your field. So the informal research topic is precisely and reliably capturing tiny liquid volume keeping in mind when we think i mean i know when i think chemistry i'm thinking of test tubes and pipettes and all that sort of thing so do you find it's difficult to find ways to express your work when you're working with substances at at the micro level
1: you know in some ways um just because we're not real used to thinking at that kind of kind of scale right you know everyday life you're going around you're driving your car doing all this and the kind of the related example with, with these these micro level is like, you know, you go to put maple syrup on your pancakes, right? You know, mm-hmm. you, you're not really worried about how much you're squirting on it. Right. But if I told you I want you to put three nanoliters, all right, well, now you're going to have a little bit of a challenge, right? We, we just don't think of these small, because, well, you know, in everyday life, they're not so much useful mm-hmm. outside of maybe laboratory settings. So, yeah, sometimes it is hard to get people to kind of relate to it. But I think that's the importance of actually – take a little tangent there. I took a nice uh, science communication course. Um, one of the professors does in the right. uh, in the chemistry department. I'm sure she'd be happy to have other students from other disciplines come and take it. It was helpful for things like that trying to how do you present yourself in such a way that non-experts and people who might not really care can maybe start to to appreciate.
0: And it is important because you might think they don't care, but it's only because they don't understand it. Right. And then they can see where it fits. So, give me a bit of an overview of your work before we get into the questions. What basically are you trying to do?
1: What we're trying to do is push the limits that we can measure out precisely and reliably in the title small liquids. And and why that's important is for animal testing, high throughput screening, and like a well plate. You know, just those kind of things that got all these little tiny little little, little wells. Or the in little them. glass. Right, thing. little thing, kind of, and, and you got little different chemicals in it, and if. You need a way to sometimes add something very tiny to each one. Mm -hmm. Um, And and what I'm trying to do is make that whole process easier, reducing the volumes. uh, You know, it's kind of a sustainability thing, too. The less we need of something, if we can still do it as effectively, it, it has good implications for all that.
0: So, most of the things in chemistry then would need something like that. And the same within some of the health sciences, like, you know, pathology and biomedical molecular sciences and things.
1: Precisely To get the
0: the, the minute.
1: Which which lends some support to my project, right? You know, sometimes I think people will find that you get hyper-focused on one particular, your little niche, right? But what's been nice for this project, and again, I I thank Dr. Olashook for his his guidance in it, is it's very easy to get other people who are non-chemists but also scientists interested Uh because everybody has something that could relatedly benefit from it.
0: From it. It's like some of the, on a bit of a tangent, some of the physics people looking at lasers and how they can get closer to you know, I hate to say, it, cutting the skull on things without actually touching your brain, which is a good thing. So this is the same sort of thing, but for a chemistry and health sciences. So you, you mentioned that with liquids, I mean, some liquids may be easier to pipette than others. Are you looking to make a gizmo to, to measure this, or are you just trying to figure out how a human can just press a little bit out of the the droppers or The st- little droppers, yeah, little droppers. Is it, no. So is it a gizmo or is it something more? I don't like a
1: gizmo. I hadn't really thought about it I like that. Yeah, it is a a thing of a jig, a doohickey, a gizmo, <laughs> somewhere in between. But yeah, we're um so you know, that's a simple way to put it. But it's if you look at it at a little more technical level, I'm using laser micro machining. And Queens has a very unique facility that enables us to do that. Uh, It's Nanofabrication Kingston out over on, it's actually out on Princess. It's off campus. I'll give a little shout out to Dr. Graham Gibson, the fellow that runs that. He's been immensely helpful for that. 3D printing and and those kind of two things in conjunction allow me to create this this gizmo uh, because, you know, at present, the other ways of doing it are very cost prohibitive. Okay. So that, that's kind of why this is impactful, because people that, you know, maybe don't have an extra $10,000 laying around to buy this special equipment, these special pipettes that let you just, you know, push that button and, and do it real easy, uh, is making this more accessible.
0: Is it just a pipette or is it attached to a big machine? Well... Is it done by hand or a machine?
1: Excellent question, because the answer is yes. So both of those are true. That's- but now, you know, we're both sitting here kind of flicking our thumbs up and down, making yeah. these gestures. <laughs> and that's kind of an ergonomic thing too, right? Is actually, you know, if, if you have people repeatedly doing all of this every day, that, that pipette in action, that's actually a big, big worker strain sort of injury mm-hmm. potential. So a lot of these, you know, they, they've, they've done automated the pipette so that it's you just kind of, you either push a button or it's integrated with a machine that just moves it from place to place. Right. And it's all pistons and circuits, and it's, it's just a controlled dispensing. But you can imagine, you know, buying something like that, one, it's not feasible for a small setting. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's an industrial kind of or a very big lab, somebody with some deep pockets. Um, but for the people that could benefit, it's like, hey, I've got a, an assay or a test that, I, I, you know, if I could do this, it'd be good. I just can't afford to be buying something like,
0: like right. that. So, so basically holding up other potential research and things. Actually, I've just spoken to someone, and you know, looking at COVID virus and things, and they do need to sort of look at the minute level and things. So, you're looking at different liquids. Now, liquids can be uh, different thicknesses. So, what kind of liquids are you looking at? You're looking at thick ones, thin ones. <laughs> 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 that's, probably
1: the uh, easiest. that's like a Dr. Seuss book right there. You got tall ones, short ones, long exactly. ones, all that stuff. Yeah. No, it um
0: some with different polymers inside. That's right.
1: Or, and that well and that's a key premise of this whole thing is because so you know we keep talking about pipettes. Most pipettes as we know them, the ones you're thinking about, are only good with like aqueous water-based mm-hmm. solutions. and not only that, water-based solutions at like room temperature conditions because right. as soon as you start not only the type of liquid but how hot is it, how cold is it um, but the the technical word kind of what we were we were hinting at there is viscosity about how you know like again. You know, something like syrup is very viscous, mm-hmm. thick, slow-flowing, molasses kind of. And then you it's have other, than
0: molasses. Yeah, slower than molasses in <laughs> January. That's right. So we we all know something
1: like that. But but sort of what I'm interested in. Um, so biofluids. That's a that's a, a broad descriptor. But within that, you've got blood, saliva, urine, uh, and some very more precious ones like cerebrospinal fluid that are very right. hard to access. So. With each of these, and there's a couple of those tiers and things like that, each allows a different sort of diagnostic. You know, each is giving you more information. And especially with, like, the very precious hard-to-get ones like CSF, you know, if you've only got a milliliter or something or even less mm-hmm. than that, you don't want to be using a test that you burn through all of it one just, to go. just to have one go at it. So if you got something that can extend the longevity of it, you know, because it's, it's a spinal tap is how they get something like yes. that. Yes. Um, and, and that's a, a very unpleasant procedure. So trying to trying to make those things more more impactful.
0: And even when you, you, you talked about viscosity and okay, so blood is thicker than you know maybe urine and saliva and things. And I don't know what the thickness of the cerebral fi- spinal fluid is, but does that mean then you have to look at different sorts of pupets depending on the viscosity of the liquid?
1: That is precisely it. You know. Thank you, Dr. Olashooks, So my project, because I'm dealing with all these. And what's nice, too, is so commercial chemical companies make artificial, artificial blood, artificial saliva, artificial urine. But as you hinted, each of them has a different viscosity. And so you need what's called, it actually goes into the mechanism of how the pipette works, but let it suffice to say, there's different types if you're dealing with just a standard versus what we call a challenging liquid. And you can imagine the cost... Goes up when you need that special with more challenges, with more challenging liquids.
0: So, are you you're in chemistry? So far as I could tell, yeah. (laughs) So, is your research in is your research chemistry or is it computing? Mm. Because if we're looking at a a gizmo, (laughs) to me that's uh, not necessarily chemistry, but maybe it is.
1: That's right. It's kind of situated at a at a juncture that's biased towards chemistry. But I have had to learn a, a bit of sort of some programming things and, and how you run some of these instruments and, and maybe writing some basic sort of instructions for them to manufacture what I'm trying to get. But no, at the end of the day, it, it does come back to the chemistry because it's, it's looking at, you know, the the properties of these liquids. And, and that's sort of what's nice about analytical chemistry um, is it's more of an applied. Right. So you, you kind of have that leeway to say like, well, yeah, I'm not doing test tubes and making explosions and purple you know liquids and all that stuff but um
0: <laughs> so, so what which ones which liquids are you looking at i mean I'm, I'm assuming you need to have some sort of baseline with what you can use right now right. what's available today to figure out what you need the gizmo to be able to do in future
1: it is yeah and so how i'm starting off with it um, is exactly that standards. Um, so I've just got a water solution that I'm spiking with uh, a personal favorite of mine, caffeine. Um, but that's <laughs> a very easy and well characterized molecule. So we can see that, you know, if, if I'm grabbing this tiny little volume, we use something called mass spectrometry and it'll confirm that, yeah, that's how much you got based on how much caffeine is in it. So that's how I'm looking at the aqueous solutions and then for the, uh, the sort of challenging ones, the thicker ones, there's kind of a standardized sort of almost like an oil.
0: Okay. Um,
1: that, you know, so it does lack the properties, but that, that's the whole point of research and stuff, right? Now, you start off proof of concept things, and as you get the method fleshed out, then you can go on and take it to, to something that's, that's more applicable, more relevant.
0: That's a lot of work, though, because yeah. if you think about all the different liquids available, so how far along have you got? Are you looking at, are you started that data collection for the baseline?
1: Yeah, so actually I'm, I'm presenting, I'm peeling out of Canada for Puerto Rico, middle of October. I'm presenting, Fantastic. That's right, I appreciate that. I presented the, uh, the American Chemical Society meeting down there. Um, got accepted as an oral talk about, my, about the method itself. And, and kind of as one little follow-up to that, you know, what's nice is if you get the method working and you can publish it and share it with people, they can. everyone else can help you do the work now. Right. They say, hey, I work real heavily with blood. Hey, I, I work real heavily with saliva. And so now you've, you've, you've division of labor in a sense. Mm-hmm. You, you've disseminated the info, and other people can, can amplify right. the impact without you having to, because you're right, that'd be a lot of work, just a little one-man one man show.
0: And then when you've got all that, even if you only choose two or three yeah. to start with, What's the next step?
1: Mm. Ideally, application-based kind of things. Um, actually, how all this started, um, my sister's in vet school um, back right. in the states, and so we was talking about different things. And I had actually, having been in Las Vegas, I'd never watched a horse race before. Right. Um, so I've been watching the horse race, races, dog races, just kind of out of curiosity. And she and she was telling me, she's like, you know, one of the, one of sort of the problems with that is they'll, you know, give these animals steroids and drugs and things that, you know performance enhancing but also can mask pain right so that the animals which you know is is borderline if not animal cruelty i'd say correct so coming up with a a point of care way to sort of screen for these things real rapidly so you're not only protecting the animal at the point source but you also sort of catching the bad guys right because you can implicate people immediately involved um so that's one i think is real interesting but there's several others that have kind of been been thrown around but something with a meaningful calls.
0: so I mean just going back to the animals that you just talked about I mean that's kind of like the drug testing we do at sporting events yeah. so are you saying right now that I mean we all know new drugs come out all the time mm-hmm. different ways of trying to cheat so to speak depending on the sport I guess right. and the chemists have to keep up with all of us yeah so, are you hoping that maybe down the track, um, some of the work that you do that they can potentially use to get even down even closer to the even smaller molecule?
1: Mm-hmm. Down a horse track, you mean? Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> it's, it, it's, I mean, that's a long term, long term aspiration. I mean, you know, I think everybody wants to have their work recognized and implemented, and it, that, that's a tricky thing to do. But yeah, I mean. As new te- new sort of ways to sort of get around the system, but you know that and that's just one facet of it. I mean mm-hmm. there there's also the healthcare setting too, um, right. especially with animal testing. So if you can reduce the amounts, literal sort of kind of lifeblood or or, or or substances that you have to withdraw from these the, the the animals, that also has big big ramifications.
0: So when you've done all this testing, what's next? Who builds the gizmo?
1: That's kind of a, something I've been—I never really thought about it till I came here. But Queens has a nice uh, emphasis on entrepreneurship. I mean, there's there's a couple of good pr- programs out there that you know. I, now that I'm in, I might encourage people. One is the internal; it's the uh, the Queens Tandem Launch Program. Yes, and they let yes. you kind of see, like you know, what goes into commercializing your technology. Because you're right. right, I can only do but so much on this lab scale, and you know. It, I can't be taking orders, run a little shop on Etsy, like, you know, let me get you this. Uh, but also there's the MyTech Simon Fraser University, the I2I one. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm in that this September starting cohort. Um, and so they give you some real sort of, now It's we're just starting off now. But seeing what goes into that is, is both sobering but inspiring. Right. Uh, but yeah, so eventually learning how to not only make this, this little gizmo, but pitch it to people that, they might could take it and run with. You
0: mentioned three D printers before. Yeah. Is this what your kind of first draft would look like in a three D printer type style?
1: In in a sense, there's two components to what I got. It's almost um, you know, like little kids when they got the little like bubbles and they dip the wand. Yes. That's, that's pretty much at the end of the day what this is. But we we we're a little more precise than the kid dipping into bubbles, you know. And so it's a two piece kind of little thing. Is is half of it's Coming from 3D printing that I do, and the other half is coming from laser micro machining. So y- you That's need right. both to kind of stick them together, little Lego style thing almost. Which is nice though, because you know if we think about pipettes, you've got your pipette, but the tips are the consumables. Right. So you've you've got one pipette that does volumes, and you just pick a different tip. And this is kind of the same thing is you've right. got that the sort of handle holder thing, and you pick a different tip, and it, that'll give you the volume.
0: How do you make that tip, the entrance to that yeah, tip, yeah, yeah. so small?
1: I, well, and that's that's the laser. That's all the laser. That's not me. I'm just pushing buttons. And it's just the way this thing is manufactured, an Oxford laser system it is, kind of to just give a plug for, for just the department at Queens. Um, you know, Queens was part of that big, I think it was a pan-Canadian Big grant. It was something on the order of millions of dollars. I got with CMC Microsystems that let them acquire this center to be able to purchase this laser. That it just based on how it's built, it can attain a micrometer level resolution. That makes lets me cut that little hole in my novel substrate. Right. Um, to make my little bubble wand. It's all because of that.
0: I love that bubble wand.
1: That's kind of what it's like. Yeah, it's
0: pretty cute, isn't it? <laughs> so if have you, I mean, you talked about um, getting. For instance, you're doing this conference in Oct- Going to this conference in October, maybe other people will think about it and say, "You know, can I work on, say, saliva or blood or, or whatever?" Have you also thought about collaboration in actually? you, you also talked about um, entrepreneurship and who's going to do this? A collaboration here, say with computing or uh, another engineering uh, group, so Queens itself can come up with your magic bubble wand.
1: That'd be real wonderful there, wouldn't it? I mean, I, you know, it, it, by way of, of what I've done so far, um, the university veterinarian, actually, he was, right. Dr. Winterborne was very yes. kind enough to meet with me, um, and so I kind of bounced some ideas off him. Uh, he sort of affirmed that, you know, it looks like I'm headed in the right direction, um, and, and that, you know, if I sort of get things more hammered out and, and solidified, that, that there, there is potential for, for maybe some collaboration in that direction. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that that's kind of what I was mentioning earlier is, you know, biologists, engineers. I had to Google. I was like, do physicists use pipettes? Like, do engineers use pipettes? like, right. well, yeah, it looks like I do. So, yeah, I, I, there's problems out there I probably don't know about. Right. Which, you know, I usually don't go around looking for problems, but in this case, I reckon it's all right.
0: That's good. So you've got lots to do on that. Do. How far in are you? I mean, have you, you're starting your data set of your baselines. How far in have you got? Mm. You
1: know, in, in terms of getting the method to a point where it's it's something I feel like I could publish and really, you know, say like I, I fully trust in this. Um, probably about eighty five percent or so. Hey, we got a first caller on the line. Yeah. How? Who are- <laughs> did
0: that? I don't know how to turn it off. <laughs>
1: no, it's all right. I'm happy to take any questions. Yeah. Caller number it. one, you have one. Yes. What was the prize today?
0: An automated. That's right. <laughs> no, I'm not giving those away for free now so what's next then for you on this no that's a
1: good question uh, you know I, ideally I'm gonna, I'm gonna put a bow on this and, and you know right now how I'm envisioning it is uh, it's a handheld thing right is is someone the, the next step is to start incorporating machines automation so they sell pipetting robot systems and they are mm. very costly Right, and, and we have one, actually. And so what I'm hoping, and even, let, forget the robot, the consumables, the tips that it goes through and stuff, they that's an added cost, too. Right. So my little tip thing is markedly cheaper. Um, so I'm trying to make this work with pre-existing systems like that. So now that's where I'm going to have to leverage a little more sort of program and stuff, and, I, and I'm going to need some help with, with right. from somebody who knows. Uh, but that's sort of where I see it going next.
0: So if you already got these automated systems is the only the only reason you want to sort of do a handheld one is to reduce the cost
1: that's right okay. that's right and especially if you're in sort of a point of care setting you know it's, it's not feasible and you're not doing enough tests to need something that can handle yeah this thing can pump out 100 samples in 10 minutes because you don't have 100 samples right well, I'll call number two yeah I think that <laughs> might, might. but yeah um and and sort of a limitation with these things is yeah they're automated. But if you want to add in that element of nano, like so we got micro, but this is a nano liter, a very, very tiny amount, they they ain't built for that. So if this is something okay. that I can plug into it, now I've sort of added a little you know, like putting some new some new rims on your car or something, you know, sprucing it up. So yeah, it's exciting.
0: It's exciting. Good for you. <laughs> okay. So let me just ask you a couple of other things outside of your work. Uh, you're the founder and co-president of the Queen's University student chapter of the American Chemical Society.
1: That's right.
0: So that's good that you're able to sort of bring in, I I guess maybe down the track, it'll be the North American Chemical Society.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right, well, you know, sort of there is the Canadian Society for Chemistry. So there is an in-house organization. But yeah, I was real happy to get that started up. and, And what's been nice with that, Um, You know, and actually I I got to write a little departmental highlight article about it. It's called American Chemical Society, but you ain't got to be American. You know, and that's sort of what's unifying about chemistry, culture, nationality. We we all sort of, you know, you show somebody in, you know, some other country a a molecule and it's the same molecule. Right, Um, right. So, and there's a lot of opportunities available that because we now have this chapter, people can access them. That if we didn't have it, couldn't. people couldn't access and, right. and that's not and that's regardless of of nationality etc um so it, it's a nice nice little bonus feature in the department now
0: that's good so it just takes one person to get things started and then
1: that's great <laughs> well it is probably a familiarity thing tell me you know i grew up in america i did all my stuff there so i, I very much so was familiar with acs american Chemical Society chapters. You know, they might not have the international presence here, um, right. so just somebody kind of. And that, I think that's a testament too of you know the different perspectives people bring. It's like you know when you get all those people mixing together, it's like, hey, I didn't know about this. Hey, I didn't know about this.
0: It's um, all part of networking. It is. It, it um, is. And uh, who knows what collaborations come out from, right. from that sort of thing. And then I'd be remiss not to talk about your love of country music. <laughs> And not just because of the accent or anything yeah, like, yeah, that. Something like that. So, is it you like collecting or playing or?
1: Well, it's somewhere in between. It's a great source of comfort to me. I mean, i that's what I grew up on. And so, you know, I've been pleasantly surprised, you know, coming to Canada. I was like, oh man, I'm not going to have have none of my country music. But, air forbid, I was making a routine. Every Saturday, I'd go to like a, you thrift store something and they, everybody got country music around here some of my favorites yeah. george jones waylon jennings um so yeah I, I love collecting the records cassettes cds and and I, I call myself playing i call myself that's about the extent of it
0: it's it's nice to have a hobby it is so that's great that you're doing it and um just so everyone knows when dan first came in here he saw some of the records and the amount of music that we've got here at cfrc is unbelievable and uh, so i'll Show Dan that after, I think.
1: Before do it. <laughs>
0: yeah. So Dan, thanks very much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. I wish you the best of luck with us. Well thank um, you. you've clearly got the passion for it as well. So go for it, as I say. And again, thank you very much for coming on the show. Well,
1: I'm happy to be here.
0: Good. So that's it, everyone. A- another week of Grad Chat Sadly comes to an end. Don't forget, you can download the show tomorrow from either iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify or Stitcher. Just type in Grad Chat. Until next week, this is CJ the DJ signing off with A Big Hooray.